elephant is dying. I'm already, I'm already recording welcome now. So to the we're, Larry Dickman welcome show to the Larry Dickman ben Show. Ryan. We have with us on the line uh, probably the, the most famous person we've ever had on, on the show by, by a sh- huge stretch. One of the funniest human beings I know personally. He's, he's, got, oh. a, he's got a heart of solid gold and uh, he's up for every single award that I can make up in my head I've given to him. <laughs> Yes, you have. Um, <laughs> yes. So, such such a worthwhile guy. This is Eric, everybody. If if I had a hey everybody, that's right. If I had a if I had a button that had an applause on yeah. it, I'd be it, it would be stuck right now. It was it was sorely missed just then. I was waiting for it. Mm. So my good we friend, we gotta get the RSP boys on that one. Yeah. So thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. I know uh, Ben's got lots of interesting questions he wants to pick your brain about uh i I do actually what do you got okay well eric as you you probably don't know the format here over at the larry dickman show first first off i have to say thank you so much uh ryan informed me that his christmas gift to me this year (laughs) was was the gift of calling up my friend Eric to see if he could get my friend Eric to be on the show, but it's his gift, but it's Ryan's gift yeah. that he's giving to me is having my friend Eric on the show. And a six pack. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to call it lazy gift giving, but you know, it's very, very much a roundabout way of trying to take credit for somebody else's selfless act. You're welcome. In, in all in all fairness, Ryan. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. okay. Now that now that that's out of the way, um, a lot of the folks at home that are listening right right now, I mean, they're glued to their couches, I can imagine. Uh, but one thing that they don't know about Eric, uh, which they should, is that he's a man's man when it comes to comedian. He is he is one of those next level guys. He's been in the game for over decade decades. Can we say plural? Is it decades now? You're not sixty yet. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I would, I would comfortably say that. Yeah. Okay. So he's a seasoned, seasoned mm-hmm. comedian. All right, a salt and pepper comedian. The guy's been been at it for some time now. Uh, so you know, as far as like the the kind of the landscape that's out there in the world of comedy, I follow it pretty closely because I'm not funny, not like this guy. <laughs> And uh, so I'm constantly looking to see what's going on. And some of my favorite comedians, guys like Bill Burr, guys like Joe Rogan, guys like Patton Oswalt, all of whom I'm sure are Eric's close friends. Um, right. And he's probably going to be like, yeah, so talk to some guy about you, but they're like, who? So it, the idea is all of them are talking about how everything is so politically correct nowadays 
that it uh-huh. it's it gets it, it's like almost impossible to go on on stage and test out new stuff because you're afraid you're going to offend somebody. So, in your world, Eric, can you give me a little front row seat, little insight into how writing material, writing your tight five for the comedy store or wherever it is that you're going up on stage, like what's it like trying to trying to write new material in a world where pretty much everybody is is just waiting for the other shoe to drop on whether or not he said some he's going to say something so offensive that I've got to tweet or blog about it or or whatever. PC principle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it really is. I, I don't know if it's anything particularly new. I think the, you know, the comedy, as Harlan Williams said, is always best when it's dangerous. When they're, when you're, when you have an opportunity to make somebody laugh or potentially hurt somebody's feelings, it's somewhere in that gray zone where you are finding the funniest material where, yeah, this will make you howl hysterically, but you're, but though when you're in a different company, it could really be something that would be harmful. Now, so you're, you're saying the, the holy of, grail is one that accomplishes both. It makes them laugh and it hurts their feelings a little bit. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, absolutely. Now, hopefully you're using that weapon of humor to, uh, to help relieve stress in the masses, you're making fun of the boss at a large company. The employees get to laugh because they're only making $5 an hour and they get to laugh at the expense of the boss. Oh my God, where is, is this company? Where's the company where the guy's making five bucks an hour? Uh, <laughs> that would be Sri Lanka. I, honestly don't know. I mean, isn't that like sweat, uh, sweatshop price, sweatshop wages? Yeah. <laughs> That would be, yeah, very much so. That's why they get the free comedy. That's see. that's this Nike all, and Apple. It all comes this together. is how this is how the bourgeoisie hold down the proletariat. They just every once in a while hire a comedian, and you forget about the stringent laws that we have about minimum wages in this country. Got it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think that that's always been the case. Uh, what's different now is that everyone in the world uh, who has a Wi-Fi connection or a phone has got a voice now. And so your Twitter handle can reach the entire world as opposed to before you were just standing around a water cooler, maybe talking to seven people. So inevitably, you're always going to upset somebody with a joke unless it's a pun or something that's just doesn't have much teeth to it. And I think there's a lot of funny puns out there. Having said that, it it's not the go-to form of comedy whenever I'm writing something. And uh, I think the thing that Chappelle and Burr are really talking about, and almost all comics, is that you don't sit down, write a joke, perform it, and you're done. Uh, whenever you're writing anything, I mean, it could be a novel, it could be a joke, it could be a screenplay, it could be whatever you happen to be. I mean, even if it's lines of code, you have to test it. And the only way to test comedy or entertainment is to have other people see it and so i don't care who you know you take somebody who's an extremely talented comic like sarah silverman she still has to write a joke go up in front of an audience of people tell the joke and then dissect where it went wrong or where it went right and the problem that i think a lot of comics have today is that uh, and this is why there's gotten to be a ban on cell phones in comedy clubs where if you record a joke uh, and put it out on the internet before it's really ready to go, then people have already dismissed the joke or dismissed the material before it has time to actually maturate and get to a point where it's actually funny. 
And uh, I thought it was because of Carlos Mencia. Uh, <laughs> no, a lot of people had actually uh, equated to uh, there was a big problem with a guy by the name of Michael Richards. Uh, who, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he had a really weird rant that, uh, that turned very racist. Mm-hmm. Something about uh, something about trees. The laugh yeah. <laughs> yes. Something, yeah. something um, trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, strange fruit. He was talking about strange fruit, I believe. Uh, and uh, but uh, as well, I mean, of course, like that was that was a, a band that I'm sure Michael Richards wanted to put in place so that he could go on other racist rants later on. Sure. Uh, but a lot of comics don't want that just because of the fact that, like, if a joke isn't ready, then it can become uh, construed as extremely insensitive. Whereas uh, once you actually make a joke funny you can get away with saying a lot more. And a really good example of this is uh, Donald Glover. Um, uh, he was on The Nerdist, and he had a, a, a great speech that he went on uh, where he talked about, he had a joke where he equated having a baby to getting AIDS. Ooh. Uh, and, Hilarious. Uh, yeah, it does it, stick around for a while. <laughs> both. both in, it, yeah. it really does. you got to live with that disease. And, uh, you know, go to that disease's uh, plays, and uh, you got to play catch with that disease. Yeah. Uh, Pay and for then school. Teach that disease about send, send that yeah, to school. Exactly. To send that disease to school. Get him, get him an education. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, would you, would you agree with the statement uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy? Oh, you yeah, tragedy and distance. Uh, I, I think that uh, Mel Brooks has got a great saying as well. Uh, if I. Uh, cut my finger it's a tragedy if you fall down an open manhole cover it's hilarious yes so there is <laughs> absolutely and i mean the, the further you get away from something the more you can always make fun of it and that, that's actually you bring up another great comedian story uh gilbert godfrey uh ran into a lot of problems because there was the tsunami that was in 2004 i want to say uh, and he made a joke about it on Twitter, and people had decided he just hadn't waited long enough. And he really came under a real firestorm for that one. Boo. It was a serious uh, so, too soon moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and there's, uh, and you never know how long you have to wait. There's a comedian by the name of Jimmy Dore, and he does a great joke. Uh, he says, I wonder if Kennedy ever thought to himself, man, I need another parade, like I need a hole in the head. Oh. And inevitably... Yeah. The audience would groan, <laughs> yeah. and he'd say, uh, oh, is it too soon? Is it too soon? Uh, maybe I should have done Lincoln. A lot then. of big Lincoln supporters out there still. <laughs> yeah, really big exactly. movement. Big Lincoln. So there, there is, yeah, there is a, a strange formula when it comes to certain comedy and, and making fun of things or, uh, or just talking about things in general. Like, I mean, I, there's still a lot of 9-11 jokes I don't think that you can make, and here we are. Uh, um, seven years, almost eight years after the fact. Uh, I would say more than that. We're 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 much. For, that was what? When did that happen? Two thousand and one. Yeah, we're we're, yeah, we're in the teens now, yeah. bro. Eighteen. <laughs> well, that, nobody we said that you went. You, you know, comedians are good at math. Um, I'm not a math. <laughs> All right, so now now I've got another. Uh, so that that kind of covers, I guess, the the PC part of it in terms of going too soon covering things that are tragic but let's just get right down to the bread and butter of comedy uh which is better dick or fart jokes or in some cases what i like to call the unicorn of jokes which is the the dick fart joke <laughs> that is of course where 
uh, gas is trapped in your penis. Yes. And then it farts. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is it, yes. Hilarious. We, we've all seen the YouTube channel, so... <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. We're familiar with it. <laughs> the old dick fart. The old dick fart joke. Well, I mean, that's my that's my encore. That's my closer. Usually, I just you know, I, I'll, 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 hit, him, I'll hit him hard with the really insensitive material up front, but to, just to bring the crowd back, just throw out, you know, dick fart joke, and then mic drop, and then I'm out. That's kind of, you know, when I'm well, doing you know, it for the mirror. In this kind of day and age of like, you know, things like the Me Too movement, I've even found myself become a shrinking violet when it comes to making dick jokes. And then I'll watch other people do it while amongst a crowd of like mixed gender people to to great response. And for some reason, dick jokes, I think, are uh, I'm going to say dick jokes over fart jokes because uh, dicks aren't inherently gross. They're capable of being gross, uh, whereas a fart is always gross. Yeah, well, uh, it depends. Hilarious. It depends. Some, some, I think farts are are hilarious, but that's just because I have the, you know, right. I, I'm about as evolved as a teenager. Well, sometimes boy. it's about the sound and not about the yeah. <laughs> okay, so you you mentioned the Me Too movement, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna enter in another another topic or question here. Sure. So getting Me Too'd, that's now a thing, right? Get, I, I think we just uh-huh. call it. It's almost that's the verb. He got Me Too'd. Me Too'd. Yeah. Right, so getting uh-huh. me to in the world of entertainment, because I mean, you you have translated across from stage, you're on on all the screens that we can think of. You've been in mm-hmm. movies, all right. So someone like you is way more of a target than say someone like Ryan, my color commentator over here to the right. That's right. Um, Under the radar. Although he does get a little, um, you know, he gets aggressive with his comments. He gets handsy. He oh, does. Yeah, real that quick. guy definitely. You know. You know. You've been there. After a beer or two. I like to cuddle. He's a regular Brett Kavanaugh. Um, so <laughs> getting me too. Is it a rite of passage for someone in the entertainment industry or only if you're famous? Uh, I don't think it's a rite of passage. You take somebody like Kevin Bacon. Uh, you've never heard anything about Kevin Bacon. And he's been a giant star since in his, in his early 20s. Or you know, even somebody like uh, we just lost uh, Burt Reynolds a little while ago. I really kind of believe on some intrinsic level, and I apologize to any Burt Le- uh, Reynolds fans, uh, that he died before any scandals could come out. Uh, I have yeah. to think that a guy like that, who was at the height of his power in the 70s and 80s, uh, who was, you know, really prided himself on being a man's man and had a mustache for just that long. True. Uh, I had to uh, assume at some point there was some uh, misconduct. But uh, he managed to pass away before any of that. Maybe came out. Was so charming. Well, okay, that also brings up another point. So I could, I just like Burt Reynolds. I feel like I could pull uh, right out, um, right off the top of my head, guys who I would would have been absolutely sure because they just came up during that time that there was mm-hmm. some nefarious, uh, you know, stuff that went down. So think about like Mike Tyson. <laughs> I can almost guarantee that that dude, uh, you know. Ha- found himself in a situation or two where uh, he partied a little hard. Eddie Murphy I would imagine that that guy has plenty of stories, especially if he was hanging out with Rick James. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> if you look at all of these guys, you know, aside aside from a guy like Mike Tyson, um, you know, Will Chamberlain wrote a book about it. You know, like I saw oh, twenty thousand women or whatever, but you don't see anybody stepping <laughs> forward being like, hey. Will, you know, he's like, I told you. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, dude, I wrote a now? book about it. Like yeah, I meet so, to myself. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> so yeah, I get, I guess, I guess a better question is, 
uh, are the people who are getting me too'd only getting me too'd because there's something to be gained on the other end of by the by the the party who is accusing, saying I'm looking for my 15 minutes of fame and I'm going to jump on board with any if anybody says this person's bad I'll jump on board if I had anything even remotely close to do with it, um, it be, because I want to tear this person down to my level. So is it a matter of just their sheer level of fame, um, or like is it a matter of time like there are people who are getting torn down from stuff that they did 30 years ago, you know, 40 years ago. Um, <clears throat> so how long, well, I where, think what's the statute of limitations I on this I think it's stuff? a little bit of both. I think for a while there it was something to gain, but then I think the women came together and were like, the more of us that come out and say something and make something of this, it's a bigger deal. So there was a period there where maybe some were just going out there so it was becoming a, a movement. So they were actually just calling it out just so they could be you know, more powerful in numbers with the other women. Um, now, I don't know. It's kind of just, are people still looking to call somebody out from the past? Are they still holding it over people's heads? Who knows? What would be the reason? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's strange. It's one of those things you have to take it uh, on a case-by-case basis. I think it's always, you know, like any any trial that you're running, you always have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, and you have to listen to both sides, and you have to... Um, find your own conclusions. I mean, I, I'll take the I'll take an un, unpopular view of the Aziz Ansari uh, case. I know I'm I gonna read... I'm gonna agree with you on this one. I think that guy got absolutely <laughs> that was so wrong. What what happened to him? I yeah I, I read the woman's uh, whole case and it sounded like yeah he was kind of a jerk, uh, but I don't think it was horrific what he did or you know by any means like outside of the uh, uh what you might experience from a guy who sells shoes at macy's as well <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I, I agree really got the impression from this woman she she went back to this guy's place kind of knowing that he wanted to have sex and then she was surprised when he wanted to have sex well it didn't really make a lot of sense to me uh and it's funny now aziz has got a whole tour that he does uh preaching against extreme wokeness Oh, nice. uh, and I mean, by and large, I think that the Me Too movement is a fantastic movement. If anything, I don't think it goes far enough because over the last couple of years, we've heard uh, a lot of stories come out about uh, mostly men uh, in the entertainment industry, specifically actors. Uh, you know, a few directors, uh, one very prominent studio head. Yeah. Oh, you can use that. We can use that name. Yeah. I've absolutely died when I heard uh, Joe Rogan's bid on on Harvey Weinstein, and he was like, "Now, if it was my daughter going up there, and I found out that Harvey Weinstein was like, hey, you know, if you want to get a part, you're gonna have to get busy, that kind of thing." He's like, "I would want to punch that guy in the dick, you know, like I would be, I would be horribly horrified, tragic, but if Harvina (laughs) Weinstein was asking my son." You know, said you know, it'd be like, son, they're not giving away for Ferraris for free. Right. You get, you're going to be yeah. Batman. You go up there, you go up there, and well, you handle business. Yeah, I'm going because I mean it's a whole power dynamic, you know. And this is one of the things that you know in feminist theory that hasn't been talked about is the male gaze and how the fact that men do have an upper hand in in virtually every field. Uh, and here's somebody you know abusing the power sexually. Uh, but I mean, we haven't heard any anyone come forward like in regards to music or finance. Oh my God! What do you sports? think? You think about the the women who who drive eight hours so that they can, you know, hook up with Motley Crue. 
You know, like they're, they're putting themselves there. Yeah, they're putting themselves you out there. You know what I like about you, Larry, is that you are so in touch with what's going on in popular music. Oh, now. yeah, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, got, I got Barry Manilow tickets. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm definitely, I've got my finger on the pulse of the millennial generation. I know, Absolutely. I know it's cooking. Uh, so, uh, Eric, can I ask you another question based off this stuff? What do you think Bill Cosby's cellmate asks him when the lights go out? Thinking he has has any joke. (laughs) (laughs) Think he's got any questions on his mind where he's like, I've been waiting forever to ask you this, Mr. Cosby. Um, no, I'm, I'm asking the, you. What is the question? What 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 is this? What is his cellmate like? That's got to be awkward in its own right. Like you see this fat eighty year old black man who you used to watch on television show up and try and sell you Jello, you know, during your uh, during the commercials in between watching cartoons over cereal. Right. And this dude shows up and you know you're in there doing a nickel for a B and E, and you know what I mean. This, this dude shows up like what 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 are the questions that you hey. Yeah, look, what, what 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 kind of interaction takes place? You think Bill is just shut down? How, and how long can he go? He's got the rest of his life. He's going to have to make friends, right? Was it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's some sort of joke about Jello while being raped or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, Dad is great. Uh, you know, it's Gives funny. us the chocolate cake who uh, I toured with for a short period of time, and he, him and his wife both grew up in Folsom, and the only two jobs in Folsom, according to him, were to be a criminal or to work at the prison uh, holding criminals. Uh, and he told many stories about how, yeah, like these high-profile uh, high cases like that, you can't put those people in the general population. They're by themselves, in essence, in solitary. So I think Cosby doesn't have a cellmate. I don't think he's in the yard. I think he's in a little box by himself. And every once in a while, when nobody's around, they take him outside, let him outside. walk around for an hour. And then that's kind of it. Do uh, you think he's working on yeah. some new material? Do you think he's staging a comeback? <laughs> um, you know what? That uh, Yes. Prison think, stories. Uh, <laughs> on some level, I think a comedian is always a comedian. Like, no matter what. Like, I haven't been on a sketch show in uh, over a decade, but I still write sketches and put them on my computer, and they just kind of sit there. But I just can't stop thinking that way. There's no doubt in my mind that Bill Cosby is playing to an audience of one, which is him. And uh, yeah. or maybe some sort of, like, you know, correctional officer. Uh, who walks him from you know from his cell to like the the toilet? Do, do that one bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's got, a, he's got a bit about the cell. I love the dentist. <laughs> I, can you do that Fat Albert voice again? That one was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that guy sounded. Uh, so Fat I Albert just sounded like a rapist. Still coming up with material. <laughs> Having said that, I, I think it's just a very small audience at this point. Okay, well, now, I know, I'm sorry if I have, I always change, I have so many questions for you. Um, Go for it, man. All right, so I'll just start off with one while we're kind of, kind of in that mode. Like, what's the best one-liner you've heard in the last month? The best one-liner? Yeah, like, Uh, I hear a one-liner every once in a while, and I think to my, I have to turn to that person, I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever, can I use that? Can I use that? I heard... (laughs) I heard a really good, really old joke, uh, and it was said by Jack Ward. So he was a character actor for many years, 
And uh, I did a friend's podcast, and he's reviewing all of IMDb's top 100 movies. And we got to uh, 12 Angry Men. <laughs> and uh, I rewatched that. I haven't seen it in years. And Jack Ward uh, has a great line where he says, uh, the Baltimore Orioles have only got one good player on the team. It's the groundskeeper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty good joke. That's a really... That's a good burn, man, and that seems like from 1959. Yeah. Who knows, bro? Oh, my gosh. Well, it just goes to show that comedy's comedy. Some of it just transcends. Just Mm -hmm. transcends time. uh, And it's still applicable because the Baltimore Orioles still suck. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Okay, uh, so now uh, I have another one. It kind of moves over into the whole side of being a parent. You and I, uh, we we both have children. You've uh, You've got gentlemen. You're raising two perfect gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I actually just had a uh, a, a little girl uh, who's now a little over a year. Um, Congratulations! Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate that. Just, just all that. <laughs> that but but uh, <laughs> what do you say? We let him go. Um, so yeah, the uh, <laughs> you know well, you, heard him. you know you know you know I love the talking out of the mouth in a high voice. Just yeah. to, like so a lot of people were saying stuff. <laughs> you using that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, being a comedian with kids, um, I guess the question is. Do you feel like your kids uh, are are funnier than the other kids around them, or are they just more disappointed than other children? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They definitely have a better understanding of what it's like to have a really needy father. Uh. Hey, guys, did you think that was funny? Did you think that was funny? I can do it again. Do you want me to do it again, guys? It's like, Dad, Johnny's dad never says anything. Do it with an accent. (laughs) Okay. You know, and the, the thing that is uh, that is strange that I found that sometimes some of the funniest kids are the ones who are suffering from uh, learning disabilities. Uh, there's we have I have a couple of friends who and their kids are way too ADD. soon. Way too soon, Eric. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why the Larry Dickman show. We don't mention last names. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. He's a rule follower. We like him. <laughs> uh, I have a, a friend of mine, and her uh, her son has got ADD, and he is the weirdest, and just the stuff that pops out of this kid's face. Uh, and I've known him since uh, that sounds gross. Was like five years. I've known this kid, uh, and the way he dresses, and the way he chooses to do his hair, and the things that he says are n- I would never want to have to raise this child. How He's old? got tons of energy and just screams inappropriate stuff all the time from a third party point of view it's hilarious like going back to what you said before like this a is definitely bit hitting me a little close to home because i have add i'm pretty sure my son yeah. does and yeah. i'm going through this exact thing right now <laughs> yeah. i think he's hysterical if you can walk away from him afterwards yeah no he's definitely yeah my, my son is coming up with all sorts of stories right now about you know i come home and he, he, he has his favorite toys, and he'll just be like, you know what? Mama threw my favorite toy into the toilet and tooted on it, and then a dragon came by. And I'm like, all this in the last 20 minutes? You know, like, yeah. wow. <laughs> Where? You, I didn't, we, we weren't watching a show about dragons. Like, Mama wasn't anywhere near the bath bathroom. Like, what in the world? How's your mind processing this? So, yeah. 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 It's, uh, I, it, Sadly, you know, I 
I don't think that uh, that comedy is something that's taken from parents. I don't. I think it's uh, for me. I know a large part of, and we're, you know, we'll get a little depressing here, but like a large part of my comedy came from the like being left alone a lot as a kid, and also not being that strong. So. My Aww. only defense against bullies and things were, I was like, well, I better make this guy laugh, otherwise he's going to beat the shit out of me. There you go. So uh, that, was a, that was a big reason why I became funny. And I think at a certain <laughs> point, from a professional standpoint, you recognize what you're able to do and what, you, what your personality. Uh, How much are we charging Eric for this hour? Listen, I'm giving you viewer, all right? I wonder how that went down. And our time's up. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, what? My, my father, I want to talk about... Oh, okay. I wonder how that went down. You we, get... can talk, we can talk about your father next week. Yeah. <laughs> Same time. You tripped as you were... I feel like we're having a real breakthrough. Yeah. All right, if you guys need me, I'll be shaking in the corner. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got I've got some scripts to send you home with, um, just just to keep you keep that dumb smile on your face. Um, so the, the... Yeah, so it's like, well, I'm sorry, just to, to, to harp on it a little bit more. It's like, uh, uh, I believe it's Pat Oswald or Paula Poundstone. It's weird that I'm confusing those two, but one of them they, has it's a really joke easy about to do. That, yeah, nearly the same person. Uh, <laughs> But one of them has a joke about, uh, you know you're a successful parent if your kid does not go into comedy. Oh, uh, yeah. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's, it's pretty thankless. It's a pretty thankless yeah. thing. But I think if, if you ask me, like, why, why do I think funny people are funny? Uh, why people get into doing comedy some most people who are real there are some people i've met that are just like laugh on the you're rolling on the floor laughing around them all the time they're just hysterical people but they don't go into comedy because a lot of it comes down to just like having the balls to get up and fail right. you have to be able to to you know as eric said get your ass kicked right up and down well his and then get from, back up from and... survival i mean it was literally survival you probably they probably pushed you over and you tripped and they started laughing and you're like oh if i make them laugh but in all honesty <laughs> like even somebody like you and i who you know we're happy to get a laugh from you know a cousin or a, <laughs> right, a grandparent right. a chuckle just even that that in itself i think is just a straight dopamine hit like that's that is a that's the drug that everybody in comedy appears to be chasing and knowing eric uh he's a straight up addict yeah. like he's he's out there telling <laughs> jokes behind the dumpster you know cuz he's so hooked he getting his fix i do some of my best material is that dumpster material <laughs> i come up with my best material when i'm telling it to hobos dumpsters are funny yeah so okay so you think your kids are pretty well adjusted is that what i'm getting because <laughs> uh, i know mine are know, pretty screwed up <laughs> <laughs> uh, no everybody has their demons for sure having there's a great thing as well uh you will not make the same mistakes that your parents made on you you'll make all new mistakes this uh, is true so i that is what I currently believe. It's like anything, any problems that I had as a child, I'm sure are being fixed, but I'm creating, as a result, all new problems. Right. So uh, in your so, case, oh. being left alone all the time, you're fixing that by being up your up your kids' ass and in their faces 24-7, every day, <laughs> yeah. all day, just making yeah. sure that they're annoyed <laughs> to no end and have no space. Like, while yeah, they're in exactly. the bathroom, yeah, okay. you're, you're just well, hanging you're outside. 
you, you okay in there? You want to hear a joke? <laughs> Dad, I'm trying to use the bathroom. Listen to this. I script. mean, like, literally, as well, like, there are these strict standards that I'll put on myself. Like, I don't like to watch too much TV. Like, the TV I like to watch is, you know, very adult. And my kids watch a lot of television as it is. So I make it a point to make them stop watching TV, and I'm not watching TV, and I've got nothing else to do. So now they're playing with their Legos, and I'm just like an insane person, kind of wandering from room to room in my <laughs> home. around them. <laughs> Who can I entertain? trying to find anything to do. It's just like, oh, dude, no, the laundry's done. No, the dishes are done. Okay, well, I better go check the bathroom, see how that guy's doing. <laughs> Oh man, I bet you're. Ha- Can you move in with me for a little while? I'll be happy to not let you watch television. Yeah. <laughs> watch what happens. <laughs> Just watch what happens. She'll be spotless. Sit and watch TV. Right. She get Eric on. Get Eric to do the topless maids. What a disappointment when he showed up. It'd be like takes his top off because he would do it. Yeah. You, know, you order a topless maid and Eric shows up, and takes his shirt off, which he, as he does all the time. It's usually his pants, but. <laughs> Here to clean your, here to do your dishes. Hey, wait a second. This isn't what I ordered. Um, okay, so um, now I, I'm going to move it on to another one. Roasting. Now, I know mm-hmm. that you have been a part of uh, a, a, a few roasts, I'm sure, in your day. Um, mm-hmm. n- now, here's my problem with the whole concept of you roasting. Okay? <laughs> you are probably the nicest guy that I know. Like if Hello. if I if, if, if after I met you you were so nice and you're like I'm a comedian I'm like really you're so nice like really you're see, how 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 can you yeah, that, get away with true. it you are such a nice guy how is it that you can get away with with uh, being a comedian because you got to be mean sometimes like if you get a heckler I can only imagine how you've had to deal with hecklers in the past well, you suck and you're uh, like uh, excuse me sir maybe I do but and thank you <laughs> would you politely go to the uh, I think it works really well because because of that well how do you roast people when you're a nice guy like how is it done uh, I, I don't think I do I, I, I think I'm very bad at it uh, some of the worst PTSD like memories that I have are from when hecklers got over on me and there have been more than a few uh, because I don't have when I when somebody heckles me on stage, I tend to get very angry. And whenever you're coming up with a joke out of anger, you lose. You you're never gonna make. You should be something clever, and it should be something kind of witty. And it should be a nice turn, and it should be like a burn on them, because it's a very uh, it's very like a, a, it's a really precise joke that you have to tell to make sure that an audience is on your side. And now attacking somebody in the audience along with you, as opposed to you going too far. And then turning the entire audience against you. And I do not have that precision. I will immediately go from zero to, I hope your mom gets cancer. Like, immediately. <laughs> that's uh, my go-to. Which, yeah, I imagine that's a thin no line. stops in between. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I, so for that reason alone, like I, I, it's one of my nightmares whenever I have a heckler. And it's funny. I, to see like different comics deal with it in different ways, I, I'm much like Liza Schlesinger, where you almost kind of just ignore it and just move on and just tell another joke. Right. And then there's guys like like uh, Todd Barry, where God help you if you say anything negative in any of his shows, because he will bury you alive. Uh, and with such precision, he'll just you know trash the rest of his set and spend the entire time just slamming you. 
Uh, wow. I've seen it, and it's hilarious and amazing <laughs> all at the same time. And it's a skill that I certainly do not have. Uh, I have a really tough time with it. And, yeah, I tend to kill people with kindness. It's like it's, That is one of my ways to go. So I'm always coming up with ideas. I just got one on the spot. Why don't we open up mm-hmm. a, a comedy college, and we can do it right next to the clown college. Uh, <laughs> and, nice. we'll, and it will be like, okay, the entire thing is you want to be a stand-up comedian – you come in and we just bring in all the guys who are comedians who are on their way up. We put them, which is usually how you start out anyway. You're playing to a room uh-huh. of, of empty, you know, and no, not real patrons, like comedians just waiting to get up and do their time. That's right. how, mm-hmm. when you're starting out and you're open micing, like that's apparently how it works out. So we get that group in there and we, the whole deal is you just get heckled. The, the whole show is you don't even get a word. Like they're just heckling you the whole time. So maybe it's like a heckling training seminar where you're just right, – or, 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 <laughs> or is that what an open mic is actually – that's what we would call an open mic thing. Is that what that is? Uh, that exists, and it's called London. Uh, <laughs> if you have ever been to a show in London, uh, that I mean, you walk on stage. I did a, a set in London, literally – Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Combs, walk on stage. Fuck you, you fucking cunt. Uh, like, first word <laughs> out of everyone's mouth. I hadn't even said anything yet. Wow. And it was right away. They went to they're, it was the hardest language they absolutely could. And okay, the wait, the wait, 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 wait. Material. Hold, on, hold on, hold on. You went to London? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back up. Back Back, up wait Rez. a second. Wait a second. Okay. You went, uh, you went to London? About... 10,000 miles away from Los Angeles is an island. Uh, they call it uh, England. Um, it was uh, really primarily it was uh, established, uh, I would say, probably about 1,000 uh, Oh, uh, yeah. Years ago. I think I heard and, about uh, this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, the Saxons were there, uh, along with uh, <laughs> a number of other tribes that eventually created uh, huh. the So that's yeah. – uh, and, and, and they're the – and that's Brexit? That, that, uh, yeah. That's what that is. No, it's where the Beatles uh-huh. are from. That's exactly Brexit. Yeah, that's the. It's that a, is the buzzword. So London, Brexit. London is in Brexit. Is that yes? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Just wanted to make sure correct. I got my geography correct. Well done. And it's right next to Russia. And there you where are. Where he meddled with the elections. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> Mister Mister Geography. Mr. All right. So Scientist. you you're telling me you you go up on stage, you like the moment that you your the the spotlight hits your foot you're even anywhere in the in the in purview of this group you didn't even get a chance to utter your first word and they're already tearing you apart yes yes now i will say these are primarily much like you were saying like uh fairly low level shows but still this was even a showcase this wasn't even an open mic and uh yeah the audience they gained so much joy of really poking and prodding the performers, and you could see the ones who whoa, whoa you don't want to get me too. Oh you know, yeah, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't dance. You could see like the ones who were able to really hold their own just didn't. They didn't flatten, uh, flatten eyelid. You know, like they just kind of they went with it. They were able to make a comment and then move on with their set. And they there was a certain taming, a wrangling that uh, uh, I, being a foreigner uh, and also a, a much younger comic, just. Did yeah. not have that uh, that skill you set. Sitting I duck. think I would fare much better today, but no one had uh, no one had warned me going in. And uh, across the board, whenever you talk to European comics or American comics, I mean, as soon as you mention London, you tell that story. Everyone 
everyone nods in agreement immediately. Just like, yep, that's uh, the facts all check out there. That all makes sense. So that's how a guy like Jimmy Carr comes up. He just takes so many beatings on his way to the top that he's just pretty much used to it by the time he, he gets there. That's, yeah. That just has how it shapes his... You know. Yeah, and that's why when you see him deliver, he is cold and stoic and nearly monotone the entire show. He just—he's unflappable, and also he—he uh, he got such a quick wit, and he's such a smart guy. Uh, him, actually, him and his uh, his wife Lucy did, uh, wrote a great book on—I uh, believe it's called uh, "Only Joking," um, and it's the history and psychology of humor and comedy and why we laugh and what makes us laugh and what doesn't make us laugh. It's a, it's a fascinating read. Like they really go into like the neuroscience uh, of, of performance and comedy and humor. And they, you know, they cite people like Freud and Jung, you know, like they're, they really did an amazing job. I, I really recommend and it. And just in case anybody, anybody listening didn't think Eric was educated, he can use <laughs> words like Freud and Jung. Yes. That's right. <laughs> he knows. He knows his his history of psychology. Oh, can I can I be super pretentious for a moment? <laughs> Please, uh, I am Bring currently on. reading my my uh, next to the bedside tables right now. I'm reading Existentialism from Dostoevsky to Sartre. Oh my The basic God. writings of existentialism never before translated. So yeah, yeah. Look at that guy. There he is. Yeah. Well, when you when you graduate to Descartes, let me know. <laughs> you moving? You moving in that direction? I think, therefore, I am. No. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, I'm gonna get. To, I mean, I don't understand any of the words that are in it. They're big words, but I carry the book around, and I look very smart. <laughs> you, uh, that's it. I, I mean, start, just don't be the guy reading yeah, like it upside start, down. You know? yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's not the right way. And then I just start sentences with words like indubitably. Yes. Indu- I'm. I'm dubi- I've been using that. I'm very dubious right now. <laughs> You're um, dubious to what's going on. All right, so I know yeah, you you gave us a, a very generous allotment of time, so I don't want to spend too much of it um, without getting around to uh, something Ryan has continually been telling me about, uh, and that is you are currently um, you've written, you're producing, you're directing, and you're starring in a movie. Apparently, this new movie that you're doing. Um, You've gone straight Christian Bale. I mean, you're apparently, according to Ryan, you, you, you know, you're on such a tight diet that uh, a, a, a stark breeze it might take you away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, uh, I'm, I'm doing a movie, and uh, in it, I'm playing a drug dealer. And so uh, That's a stretch. the drug dealers that I knew growing up, I didn't know a bunch of them, but the guys who actually like made their living selling drugs, we're all super, super skinny guys. And everyone says like, oh, that's because they were doing their product. But these were guys who were just selling weed. Um, but they were extremely thin. And I think the big part was they weren't very good at it. I think that's the first. They just didn't have any money to eat. So they uh, they would sell drugs and then they would, you know, have like a burrito. And that was all they would eat during the day. So, yeah, I've lost 25 pounds. Well, you didn't have a lot of weight to lose to begin with, so I, you know. And that, that was the horrible thing I kept telling myself too. Like I'm gonna, because like, I'm, uh, I'm a fairly skinny guy, but I have like I had a belly, I had a pot belly. Like I'm gonna lose this weight, and it's just gonna be the belly's gonna disappear, and the rest of me is gonna look the same. And no, not at all. Like <laughs> the belly is the last thing to go. 
my arms got skinnier, my legs got skinnier, like everything about me shrunk. And yeah, you get to that point where you start losing weight and uh, people approach you just like, are you sick? Are you okay? Oh, Is yes. everything all right? Yeah. It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting healthy. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody, it's all clean stuff. The other thing I, it's kale. The it's thing the I kale. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing more. I found as well, yeah. it's the superfood. People are, people are really on board with you losing weight up to a certain amount. And then after that, they get angry. Like if you lose 10 pounds, <laughs> People are hey, way to go, man. Good job. As soon as I hit like 20 pounds or 25 pounds, immediately people started putting it on themselves that why they aren't losing weight. So they get angry with you because you are losing weight. Well, that, that uh, so leads... like, yeah, I lost uh, 25 pounds. Like, oh, that's not healthy. You shouldn't be doing that. You should stop. Right. Like, yeah. wait, what? You know nothing about me. Yeah. How do you, how do you come to that conclusion? Hey, okay, doctor friend. So that, that actually leads me to the second, I guess, the second part of this, this question here. And so losing you losing weight for a part that it, it takes a lot of dedication to be able to do that, um, and but but a lot of times when you see people aside from the guys who are like straight up serious about it, you know what I mean, the, the ones who are are almost straight method, um, you know, a lot of the people who lose weight for parts they use it as an excuse, you know, to take a lot of hot skinny selfies. And kind of you know, promote like, oh well, look, at, I'm doing this. Yeah, sure, sure, it's just for a part, but I'm doing this, and you know, I'd like to thank Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And you know, you know, the bathing suits. You never see this person ever taking photos of themselves, but then all of a sudden, once they're in the gym and they're getting ripped, all of a sudden their social media account, you know, posts per day frequency uh-huh. just skyrockets and then it's nothing but photos of themselves like lifting their shirt up at the gym or they're lifting weight getting their pump on the, and then you hashtag 5 a.m workouts boohoo you know that kind of thing and you're like oh well well good for you know good good for you yeah. you know i'm glad you're doing this but at the same time it's kind of aren't you isn't this getting a little ridiculous aren't you being a little vain about it Absolutely, they're being vain yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, but it, why, but they've why? got an audience because people keep coming back and seeing and liking these things. Like, Hashtag peanut butter, whatever and jelly. it is. Hashtag got, so serial about my weight. The community is so large when it comes to the whole getting in shape right now. Oh, dude, I hate looking. Well, you know how in shape I am. I mean, I'm breaking records. Uh, it's it's impressive yeah. these days. Um, break breaking scales. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're the, standing uh, on records. Yeah, I'm standing on scales and breaking them. Get, please get off two, one at a time, please. Um, the issue for me is that I like a lot, these guys are my friends, right? Like a lot of them are my friends and I'll look at them and, and they are going and getting in shape or whatever. And that, you know, they're taking sh- selfies, selfies of themselves, losing weight selfies or, or, you know, photos of the scale, you know, Hey, just hit another milestone, blah, blah, blah. And, and it's not enough to be like once a, every couple of weeks they post something. It's like they literally start chronicling this and it's like that became their life. Right. Mm-hmm. But they don't. If there was anything else that was going on in their life before that, they didn't feel like it was worth chronicling. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> well, because they like didn't this need... is this is my journey <laughs> to buying a new car, or this is my yeah. this is my journey uh, to getting a new promotion, or this is my journey some other type of self betterment right. that you should be proud of. Like no one's chronicling that. Right, but everybody yeah. feels the need to chronicle the shit that's like me, me, me. You know, right? Oh, it, it's it's nar- uh, narcissus and its finest. You know, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of vanity. 
So, but oh, maybe this absolutely. is just me. I'm just a jaded prick, right? Well, I, I, I'm that guy who's just like shitting people, on everybody for bettering themselves. Listen, some people wait their, think their whole lives they want, they want, they want, they want to do something. And the only way they can do it is if it becomes everything that they are. And that's the only way to change like your mindset. And if you really, really want something, these people are using this platform. I agree. It gets tiring to see them over time. But some of these people need that in order to make it just their whole world so they don't mess up or skip a day or you know in order to change their lives completely so why not just put the focus on one individual thing like so for instance let's just say i want to have the perfect glutes (laughs) right (laughs) so i should just start chronicling my journey to the perfect and it's just shots of my ass if you need all day every day is my ass working out in the gym yeah (laughs) This is my ass. This is, it uh, will I work. Feel like that's it the will work. Instagram account waiting to happen. Right Isn't it? There. Don't that's you a, think that? I mean, pod. yeah, I I believe that having kick-ass glutes yeah. <laughs> is the way to a, a, a satisfying life, and I feel the world needs to know about it. And you know, glutes they glisten <laughs> if you capture them in the right light. <laughs> so, so and in the right situation. <laughs> Like, so here's my glutes at the restaurant. Right, Here, right. Here's my glutes at the drive-thru. What's the name of that Instagram? Glutes for days? Oh, uh, or nice. Glistening <laughs> glutes? Uh, what, what, what is it? Uh, You've got to go with the alliteration. Like how about gluten-free? <laughs> Glute and free? Or free glutens. <laughs> yeah, we could go out for days. Anyway. Set my gluten-free. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yes, it does right. get tiring, and it is vain. Well, okay. So uh, th- th- that's that's where we are. Uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about the movie, or are you going to do what you always do to me and tight lip and be like, well, I can't really tell you because I don't want to give it away. Oh, and P.S. I uh... did have an idea to, but I knew you would have known it was me calling, but I wanted to call up and be like, Hi, this is Herbert well, uh, from the WGA. Um, we just got a uh, <laughs> uh, a copy of your your script. It's obviously unregistered and we've had complaints so far i've got another copy from a a a complaining party that states that you actually stole uh content and material uh from them uh would you like to comment and uh, of course you and i would say to you that uh a script being filmed doesn't have to be registered with the wga you just register a script with the wga for legal purposes sir please it's my first day i'm not here to argue with you (laughs) boom (laughs) have a dubious day (laughs) let's make let's not make this about you sir sir let's not make it about you did you steal it or not so yeah i I mean i would have loved to have done a bit and like actually and and if i can get another number i you can count on us now prank calling you in the future um just because you're probably one of my favorite people in the world to mess with thank you buddy. because you are so nice to know that being your favorite person means that i'm going to get prank calls from you i am the luckiest girl in the world oh you are you you missed it favorite person to mess with with. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yes i am happy to tell you about this project i'm extremely excited about it uh it's called Bakersfield Noir, and it is a classic comedy noir, but it's an actual noir film. So it's a story of a guy who considers himself a drug dealer, but honestly, he just smokes pot in his mom's garage with his best friend. Uh, and uh, he and his friend are called upon by an actual drug dealer to be the muscle on a drop. And the drop goes bad, and the best friend and the drug dealer are murdered. 
So now this loser, Stoner, has to solve this crime and ends up uncovering a huge conspiracy that includes a contract killer and a tele-evangelist all on the mean streets of Bakersfield. Um, Bakersfield for, yeah, for was... drug dealing, is that a little on the nose? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, Bakersfield, I feel, in uh, originally I had uh, wanted to use Bakersfield because I figured it was far enough away from Los Angeles to where I could still get free locations. People would be excited about somebody filming a movie there. About um, drugs. But they, uh, they wouldn't really ask too many questions when it came to permits. Got it. So I could probably get a lot of free shots there. Uh, but I would say in, in in spending time there, I have found that like it, a lot of people in Los Angeles have a prejudice uh, or a, at least a bias when it comes to Bakersfield. And it is a perfectly nice place, just filled with blue-collar people. There are some real roughnecks there because the oil and agricultural industry uh, flourish there. But there's, you know, bastions of, of uh, uh, culture, just like any place else. They've got some fantastic buildings and people and artists that all come out of there. Um, like corn but uh yeah exactly exactly uh and the, the when i was doing research for this uh well first off i should step back i've been trying to get an independent film off the ground for the better part of uh, almost 10 years and i had the same thing happen multiple times which is i would assemble a crew of people get the partner with someone get everything closed, get to the zero hour, we're about to start filming, and then the entire thing would fall apart. It happened multiple times, and each time I just got my heart broken. So this time I decided, all right, forget about it. Here's the organizational chart. I'm at the top. Uh, and then if anybody below me wants to drop out, that's fine. I shake hands and wish them good luck, and then I can find somebody else and plug them into that slot. Because each time somebody would leave and they would take just enough assets with them to where I couldn't complete the rest of my task. No, so at this point, you're doing it the right way this time, man. As they say, <laughs> if you look at if you look at the most successful independent films uh, that are truly independent, it's you got a guy like you know, Kevin Smith is one of those guys that I've always admired. But then you also can look at people who are just out there. You know, your Darren Arnakovskis that get started out. Um, you know, you're, you're David Lynch's. It all starts with uh -huh. you having a concept that really resonates with you and you doing your thing. Talent will follow you if you're out there doing it. You can't expect people when you're kind of getting the ball rolling. You just got to be the one that does it. You can't expect people to come in because if, if, if you're rallying everybody from the beginning, everybody's going to want to bring their talent to your vision, but they're going to want to make it as much about their vision as it is about your vision. So, mm -hmm. so long as you're the one who's traveling on your path and they, they like what you're doing, they see what you're doing and they like it, they'll bring their talent to your vision, not their, vi yeah. their vision to your vision. Because everybody yeah. in, this, in this world of Hollyweird, I have found everybody wants credit and everybody loves to give notes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And that, that's one of the tough things as well is, in in a lot of fields, you know, say like something like computer science, there really is one particular way <clears throat> that you should be programming a computer. When it comes to the arts, there is no roadmap. It's just whatever you happen to like, you put it on screen, and then you find other people who happen to like that as well. And yeah. we've all watched movies that had, for, for all intents and purposes, had a foolproof business plan. You know, they had fantastic actors and directors, and they had lots of money, and the movie comes out, and it's just garbage. Uh 
uh, a lot of Woody Allen films after, you know, the uh, in the mid-80s to just a few years ago. We're in that camp. You have very talented people, but they're just not very good films. Yeah, I know. Um, Schindler's List. I mean, so, it goes on. <laughs> of course, yes, naturally. Uh, so at a certain point, uh, this is where, you know, the, I, it's funny, I bring up the existentialist. This a big part of my reason for doing it was existential reasoning. Let's just say, look, I'm going to die one day. And I want to be no. A hey, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Santa Claus isn't real. That's right, fellas. You're getting all of the tough learnings right now. Uh, one day I'm gonna die, and uh, I want to look back and say, "Yeah, I made movies." And so here I'm just I'm making a movie. You don't Will make movies, Eric. You make films. Know. You make films, buddy. I make magic, baby. That's right. Uh, you don't make movies. Movies are for are for amateurs. You make films. On video. You know, I remember... <laughs> <laughs> I make beauty. Um, I remember going back as well when I, you know, I talked about, like, you know, doing sketch in the past. Uh, I did a sketch show, uh, and it was completely volunteer, so any of the actors or writers, you could do whatever you wanted because there was such a deficit of help. Uh, I remember approaching a couple of the actors and asking them, like, hey, are you going to write sketches? And them saying, oh, I'm not a writer. And being so confused by it, because I think the only difference between someone who is a writer and someone who isn't a writer is someone who writes. That's really it. And I think the same is uh, true here, where it's like the only difference between somebody who's a filmmaker and somebody who's not a filmmaker is just somebody who makes films. And well, in this that, day and age... That's why they always the consumer... say, what is it, uh, what's the difference between a, 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 a producer, what's the difference between a producer and everybody else, a producer has a business card. Like literally, <laughs> if that's all you need to be a producer, just to have a business card that says producer. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so wait, 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 finish uh, what you're saying. You said the consumer. Well, because of consumer products, I mean, like the, the cameras that we have and the phones that we have uh, and the microphones that are available and lights that are available. Everything is so cheap at this point. You can put together a movie for next to nothing. It's not back in the day where you had to buy film and then get it developed and get it processed. It's the, the whole process at this point now is so ridiculously cheap that if you've got a good idea, you can shoot it for next to nothing. So which tell me about exactly it. We're doing this whole I'm... podcast on a pocket rocker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're now, you're a filmmaker. That's what you're saying. You're just going to make films now. Yeah. That's what you do. <laughs> nice. That's all I wanted to do and that's what I'm going to do. So we're super, we we're super proud of you and, you're you're gonna be a star but we always uh, we always knew that so the question is are you gonna remember us when you've when you've you know you're on the red carpet and you're taking all these photos with all these starlets and then your wife is I like why are you, you taking photos with her <laughs> i am married sir yes i know uh, uh i am going to remember you which you may regret because i've also <laughs> taken some financial advice from you uh, and literally, I have lost hundreds of dollars because of uh, Larry Dickman's alter ego, Ben. Well, I have to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's talking about cryptocurrency. Yeah, he did. He went in, but he still got in at a better time than I did this year. <laughs> tell you what, buddy. Tell you what. See, the thing is, what you don't understand 
And this is what I've been mm -hmm. trying to tell people. Yeah, that's a, it, it was a tough conversation when I tried to tell you about it in 2016 and 2017 before it exploded. Right. And then you, then everybody turns around and goes, well, it's obviously fear of missing out at this point. Like, should I get into it? And the answer is yes. And the reason is if you look at, uh, this from a graph standpoint, um, you know, every single year, the price, like if you go June to June to June to June, since it was invented, the price has never gone down, right? Mm -hmm. So this year, if you look at the price uh, where it was in June compared to where it was in June of last year, it's up $3,000 year over year, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. where, wherever it is that you bought it this year, if you go one year down the road, it's going to be worth at least what you paid for it, if not doubled in value. And it typically goes up 10x in value every two years. So would I, am I regretting? You say I've lost hundreds, yeah. <laughs> right? I, I'm, I'm sitting over here in my chair laughing at you because um, I had quite a few more zeros. Yeah, uh, that I've that I've lost this year as I've as we've been playing as I yeah as we've been playing the bear market, but it 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 does not change my opinion, and I do believe you are going to be thanking me when you're um, rich and famous. On well, the when you're rich and famous, and you're like you know money bitch it like it, it yeah. comes you come bull run comes around again and all of a sudden you'll be like yeah that guy larry dickman yeah and his alter ego we're right i just had to be a little bit patient that's all that's right so uh yeah i stay i stand by it and i i don't know when you got in but um i definitely would hold on to it and you can count on me calling you to tell you i told you so yeah in the near future we're all hoping for that and then. you're buying drinks yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I'll get the first round. Thanks, buddy. You got it. All right, man. Well, we're, I think we're a little bit over your time. I can't, I can't thank you enough. It what was a great. hell of a Christmas present. It was great. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. All right. You know, for... <laughs> in my, in my defense, you did talk about it a lot. Oh, I did. I said, I, I every, can't... every week we got to get Eric on the we show. Gotta we gotta, I'm like thinking, what's that? I'm thinking one day, I'm like, what should I get Ben? You know what would be the best gift for Ben? Eric on the show it is there a no hey! no brainer is it is there a way that uh, maybe Eric I don't know you'll have to ask him you're the only one who can who can get in contact I'm with, becoming with the producer you're like That's his manager okay. yeah. <laughs> maybe you can ask him if after this experience that he's had with us uh, on the show <laughs> that maybe he would want to do this you know more regularly like uh you know a couple times a month if oh. uh oh if he's got the time well you know one thing that might help is if we sing our song that we've made up for him. Oh, you're not talking about Eric's ass. Eric's ass. Na 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 na. Eric's ass. Eric's ass. It's Eric's ass. Eric's ass. And then we drop the beat and the rap comes in. I'm just talking about Eric's ass, y'all. Check out glistening glutes. We should have an Instagram channel just just for Eric's ass. So Eric, yes, we'd love to have you a reoccurring guest. If that's something you'd be uh, willing to do. Uh, I would absolutely love to be a reoccurring guest. I think that would be Woo! a lot of fun. Where's that uh, applause? Yeah. The applause gonna, there's exactly. going to be a lot more dirty dishes and undone laundry in his house and now. And Zoe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to waive my, my normal fee. I'm just going to work for scale on this one, guys. So uh, you're, you're welcome. We've Thank got a few you. scales in the office. How many chickens Good. were we paying this guy? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> All right. Well, dude, I love you. I hope you and your family too, have buddy. a Merry Christmas. And uh, we will we will be doing this again in 2019. Have a good one, buddy. Absolutely, sir. Thank Bye. you, guys. Have a good one. Later. Bye. Always in the mountains. Always in the trees. Always in the